Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And today's topic is transforming security programs to become digital business enablers. What do I mean by that? So businesses typically view the security programs as some sort of a restriction or say a restraint or something that might be a word of caution or inducing caution. When we are as security leaders, we have a big job in, in front of us that is to secure the crown jewels that we have in the organization. But then it is not going to be as easy because the programs that you're trying to put out there, they could be, if not perceived properly, then there is rejection and or, uh, you know, uh, resistance to adoption. So what do we need to do as security leaders? We have to change perception. We have to perhaps create an alignment. We have to get engaged both business and IT and even security constituents, employees and management both, and somehow mm-hmm. demonstrate that, hey, security is not just brake on a fast-moving car. It is actually something which could be a source of innovation. It can actually be a catalyst to innovation. And how do we go about transforming such program could actually help make it a better business, a better digital business. So that means a security program could actually turn out to be a digital business enabler. Is that even possible? Is it a pie in the sky or have leaders tried to do it and they've had success? So to discuss this, we have Dee Young, Chief Information Security Officer with UNC Healthcare. Hey Dee, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Very good, very good. So as you might have heard me uh, kind of laying the context, you know, painting the context and, and, and laying the groundwork for this discussion. Let's talk about this whole security program. So when you talk to people, is still in today's day and age when people know security is going to play a whole, uh, a rather a critical role in the organization, do they still have this knee-jerk reaction to say, nah, you're going to be slowing me down? Yeah, I, I I think that can be the case. I don't think it's with all users or all business leaders, but I do think there are pockets that still view security as as you said, a break, um, someone that's going to slow down the process or uh, not allow it. And so, you know, what I found in in my career is that's that's a opportunity to to really work with them and show them that we can align and be a trusted partner if we get are given the chance. So when you see that there are pockets of people, some people are totally on board and others not as much. Is that because it's a herd mentality because rest of the world is thinking or where would you say most organizations lean? Do they wait for others or somebody to say, no, it's good or bad and then they follow them? Or is it a bunch of people who have kind of made up their mind that security is not going to help me. So I'm going to always resist, no matter how beautiful does it look. Yeah, good question. I, I really feel, and what I hear from my peers are, you know, that's a historical view of security. And, you know, it's something that security kind of had a bad rap for a while of just being the no police. I think we've all heard that. 
And I think more and more uh, CISOs and security leaders understand that um, we have to help enable the business, but we have to help them do it safely. And I think as more and more wins occur and, and more and more trust can be established within a, a organization, I think that's when you see the shift and the tide change. And then it becomes almost like what you talked about. It, it's, oh, you can trust them. They're not going to derail your project. They're not going to uh, tell you no. They're going to help us figure out how to do this and um, be able to do it securely, safely, and, and sometimes hopefully have some really good ideas to bring to the table as well. So to add some value. So if I were to deconstruct this resistance, where would you say is the most resistance at the top when you go into the Oval Office or the corner office, not Oval Office, corner Mm -hmm. office and ask for the money or ask for the blessing that can I do a sweeping change within the organization with respect to security? Or when you try to get the security program explained to the business unit leaders and the staff of various groups, and get them to adopt it. Yeah, um, I I think it's more the latter. I I think with uh, you know we all know the threat uh, landscape right now, and and our our leadership understands the risk that we we face every day. I think um, you know in healthcare, those frontline workers, those frontline leaders, especially in the last you know two years, they're so stressed and working so hard just to take care of the patients that I'm not sure they really understand that we won't slow them down because they've had to go at a pace that, frankly, I I don't know too many security organizations have been able to keep up um, and have had to change the, the way they've done things. So our example is you know, in healthcare, we have a lot of medical devices that are connected, IoT or medical device um, on the network. And a lot of times these devices uh, can be purchased even prior to a security review. And then that's when we're kind of on the back, on the back of our heels trying to figure out if it's safe and secure to put on our network. Um, and I think a lot of times the end users or, or the requesters might think that we're going to slow down the process and not let them buy because we want to put a security review in prior to purchase. And it's really to save them angst um, because the last thing we want to do is, is to tell them they can't put a device on the network after they've purchased it. So I go ahead. Well, and I, I, I think it's an ongoing challenge, um, you know, with COVID, we were doing so many uh, new and innovative things that um, most healthcare security really had to even change those uh, security reviews to to be able to be more agile and understand the true risk and uh, figure out what we needed to do to mitigate the risk. Now, with with what you just mentioned, so there is a mixed bag, right? As you mentioned. If I were to spend five more years, do you think it's going to still remain a mixed bag because there will be people of all sorts? So what would you say is your holy grail in terms of the perception that you would like realistically 
to prevail in an organization for security to truly be able to add value, which enable like the the mindset that will truly enable what security function can indeed deliver to the business. Yeah, I think it's twofold. So I I think in the last two years I've seen a dramatic shift. Um, the threat landscape, you know, uh, cybersecurity is now a, a kitchen table discussion. Um, whether we like it or not. And so I think everyone understands the risk that every organization faces. And I don't think anyone wants to put their organization under that risk or added risk. So I think that's helped us, um, sadly. But I think as far as the digital or the business enabler, um, I kind of see that being a a shift as well. I, I think more and more security leaders are, are having to almost become proactive in reaching out to the business and saying, you know, what are your strategic initiatives? What are your business drivers? What are your stressors? And I know that's something I, I've done every organization I've gone into is, is sit down with key leaders and ask them, you know, tell me about your, your concerns. Because once I'm able to do that, and really hear them and listen and learn and make sure I understand how our business works, then I feel that I can be ahead of the curve and I can help with um, making sure that I align our security program and our posture so that we're able to pivot, whether it's telehealth, virtual visits, whether it's, um, you know, home care uh more and more hospitals, you know, it, being able to pivot and, and being able to have our security footprint um, be ready for that change, growth, or innovation, I think is, is critical. And then that really inspires trust with, with our business and clinical leaders because then we are adding value and we're not telling them, you know, the fear, uncertainty, doom, we're actually aligning with the business so that our goals are their goals and we're just looking at it in a different way but it's the same goals our our goal is simple we want to take care of patients you know we want to provide safe and secure ways for our clinicians and our business leaders to do that that's easy the hard part is okay how do we achieve that in you know a dynamic business environment and regulatory and, you know, payer environment. And so I think we all have to be very nimble. So when I use the word catalyst, is that a stretch when it comes to security? Can security, by the very function of it, it is supposed to prevent harm. But can it enable growth, truly? Yeah, that's a... That might be a little stretch for me. I I think um, we we sure are not a deterrent, but I think going back to that trusted partner in the path and the journey with our businesses is important. But I do think in some areas we might be able to become the catalyst. Um, And I think it's, it's that proactive approach you know, again, I go back to the medical device security and, and just being able to help enable um, our clinical staff to use the tools that are coming out so quickly 
um, to make sure that they're safe and secure, but we're able to adopt them in a manner that they need. So now with that said, uh, if I were to ever get an organization to change its perception about security, and what would you do? What would be your playbook? Or maybe instead of asking a theoretical question, what did you do? And what worked and what did not work to change the perception for the better? So, again, I go back to that trust, but I, I think it's really a longer game, a longer relationship. It's really, again, understanding the business, understanding the drivers, and then building on those successes and those wins. It's also showing the business that your organization is maturing as well. So, you know, again, with those security reviews or, or our metrics or our measurables, making sure that we have good outcomes, that we close, you know, it sounds silly, we close tickets, we resolve incidents, you know, we, we work with them, we understand that they have deadlines that we can impact adversely if we're not careful. So it's really kind of um, making sure that we're a, a good teammate within the organization. And then I think it's also explaining, teaching uh, in non-technical terms the impacts of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And helping them understand that it might not be, we might not be able to, to allow a certain way, but we can help them achieve the goal in other ways and, and finding that way to help them understand. The example would be, you know, maybe file sharing sites or blocking, you know, certain applications, understanding what they need to do and seeing if there's a way that we can achieve that safely and securely, um, either with what they're asking for or another option. So when you talk about trust and, you know, you will talk about perception and you said about smaller wins, security function like IT is seen as best serving the business when they don't hear from you. <laughs> yes. Right? And unfortunately... It is not that you have made that situation or created that situation where they hear from you and they're not very excited to go to talk to business, but there are way too many threats coming from all over. Or even if the threats are not coming, you're supposed to go and keep training these people not to fall for a phishing attack or, or things of that nature. So the perception is not going to change for the better if they keep getting these attacks, but you cannot prevent them either. So how do you eat the cake and have it too? Mm. I, I think it's multi-channel, multi-path engagement. It's, it's the education and awareness. It's the communication. It's the projects. It's working with them and understanding the business and explaining why those threats or risks or issues came up and what we're doing to mitigate them and learning from them. Um, I don't think anyone 
necessarily fault security if it does not work. Um, but I do think the fault can be easier if you don't communicate well. So the example would be, you know, if something did happen, really communicating with your business and your stakeholders to explain what happened, what we're doing about it, what we're mitigating, here's what we're going to do, and, you know, we're going to move on and, and get better. And I think all of those together help, but it, it's an ongoing challenge. You know, again, we go back to security kind of had a bad rap for a really long time of being no, and it's going to take all of us to really um, continue to work with the business. So what would be your specific response to a question, which could be from a hallway conversation or from management employee or business unit leader? They say, hey, why do I keep having these issues with security? When will this go down? What are you guys doing about it? What's your response to that? Because you're, you're not allowed to, I mean, you don't have a way to control what the attacks are happening, right? I mean, of course, you can put the tools at all, but they keep getting emails. They, the external environment is way too strong a force right. for you to ever be able to tame. What's your response to a question like that? Because your response is going to also make or break the perception that you're working so hard to reduce the stigma that you're so hard, trying hard, so hard to reduce. Yeah, I, I think... You know, personally, for me, I would empathize and and try to understand their frustration, um, try to see if there's a certain area that they're most concerned about um, or an issue that that really is is driving that. And I, I think, you know, the reality is this is where we are right now and in the threat landscape, you know, nationwide is, is increased. And so I don't think we're the only organization that's running into any of these issues and, and kind of relaying that, but you know, it's a challenge. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I think it's difficult and, um, those are so hard. What would you say to, I mean, I totally understand it's difficult, but that guy will say you get paid a million dollars to be a CISO and your team is handling this. What response do you think? I mean, it's almost like listeners who are going to listen to this podcast are going to be wondering, I am I'm, I'm being asked this question as a security guy all the time. What's a good answer? I think, yeah, I, 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 for me, the way I would answer it is, I, I'm not sure when the threats are going to go down. I, I think we have to be ready. We have to do everything we can. And we all have to, you know, it, it takes everyone with security. It's not just me. It's not just my team. It's every decision. It's every uh, software that we use as an organization. And, and it it takes all of us to secure our environment. and. You know, yeah, I don't I don't know if I really have a great. No, but great in fact, response. what you just said gives me an idea. Do you think it would make sense that you don't counter question, but you instead you say it actually depends on all of us. How do we keep the security risks down and yeah. use that as an opportunity 
to make that more of an inclusiveness pitch because I, I anyone who's trying to say that it is somebody else's problem perhaps is not thinking it right yeah and i think you know that's one of the taglines we have is securities you know it takes all of us and it does and you know i give examples i i think the other thing you know you mentioned it a, a minute ago i i think the other thing is is really helping people to understand that security isn't just a business risk that you know your personal life your social media you know anything that a person does outside of work can also increase our risk so it's educating those those people to understand their gmail account you know can cause an issue with our work account if you're if you're using the same passwords and so it it's really kind of ex- educating them that they they have a role in in our security posture as much as i do and my team does and it does take all of us and it takes all of us to understand and to create a culture of security so when you are talking about okay so one is you you're kind of managing perception but another is now that you've built with all the data that you could have collected a good promising security program and now you're trying to get that executed and adopted now think about starting from how would you lay that out in front of people how would you approach kicking it off and then how would you as the program has been kicked off and you're trying to introduce various aspects of it how do you keep all of them engaged where they don't feel you're bogging them down at the same time they don't think it's ever somebody else's problem or they just kind of think that they can wing it mm. so coming into this role one of the first things i did was align us to nist because i felt nist would help us align to the business goals and to show business value with our security program it would also help us understand where we are within our maturity level once we did that then we were able to identify which goals we felt were most important to mature and again align to the business and then i think communicating getting the the buy in you know i have a very supportive cio deputy cio cto making sure that they agreed that this was the direction and it aligned with our it initiatives and then to the larger business initiatives and then it's really communicating and and getting that stakeholder agreement and um alignment and even you know within our it group security is in every goal as far as every team has some kind of role with security in their maturity efforts and then moving that forward and then continuing to communicate and bringing it back and showing them where we we achieved where we're moving what our next goals are and just continuing to refine that process and communicating back so what's realistic and measurable kpi mm. or measure of success for any security program how would how would you kind of lay that out because only then 
you say, okay, this is what we are aiming to do. And as you go along, as you show progress, that progress cannot be shown in hazy terms. It has to be, you know, this is the Holy Grail and this is how we have reached this far and this is how it's changed. So when people see progress, they are willing to join hands with you or evangelize what you're trying to do. So what would you do? in terms of giving it the required KPIs or metrics, something measurable or measurably, how do you make it a measurably impactful? I think, you know, this is my fourth healthcare organization. And, and what I've seen is different KPIs for different organization based on the maturity of the organization and also what really matters to the business. Metrics, just to have metrics don't help you if you have issues and can't support the business. And I think, you know, you can always talk about click rate or phishing uh, failure, or you can talk about, you know, how, you know, email messages that you blocked or, you know, malware remediation within certain minutes or, you know, investigations, but those are internal to security in my view. I think a lot of those, you know, how many, how many breaches have we had? You know, how, how much data have we lost? You know, have we had to report to, to regulators, our con- constituents? You know, I think those metrics worth working with your business and really working with your leadership to, to really understand what matters to them is very important with the KPIs. Because again, I, I, I've seen KPIs just to, to do them, and I'm not sure that really enables business. I'm not sure it really transforms unless you're able to tie it back to a reason that it matters. Um, you know, I can tell you how many millions of emails we get, we block, you know, how many connections we're working on, data points. None of that matters to a business leader or a clinical leader unless you can tie them back to understandable reasons why that's important to them. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the people side of security, which is not the people outside of the security group who you're trying to help stay secure and keep doing their what they're supposed to do, but the people within the security group. When we are saying that we want to make security programs to become digital business enablers, there has to be something that should change within, you know, in, in the DNA of how security function is run. So what changes are required in the people culture and the very DNA and the mindset of people within the security group? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network.
You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, D, when we look at any organization, whether it's a security function by itself or the, the organization as a whole, people is what makes them. And since we're talking about almost transforming the security programs and the security function itself to become a digital business enabler, which is not the traditional role that people expect, right? I mean, for, for this whole department, which means you got to take a step back and fundamentally see if I need to rewire, rewire the mindset, the DNA, the job roles, the org structure, the mindset, you name it. So step like maybe it's a two-part question. Are you working towards making your security department or the security and the security programs to convert into digital business enabler or that is too far-fetched an idea? Yeah, I, I think for us right now, we're, we're not to that degree, but I do think we're on that path. So what I mean is I have, multiple hospitals and with each hospital we have a security person assigned and that person is really that security lead and hopefully working with the business and the clinical leaders to understand and to to partner with them and i think as we develop those relationships we're able to then work with them on the projects and initiatives that each hospital or each business unit would have. And I think having that person assigned really helps everyone to uh, trust and understand that we are part of the, the business as much as we are security. I think down the road, uh, I don't know if I would use the, the, the terms you did, I, I think it's more, we want to be ahead of the curve is what I always say. We, we want to be in the room where it happens. You know, what I mean by that is we, we want to be in front of the decisions to help influence and impact good, wise, safe decisions if we can. And so the example would be, you know, again, we go back to the medical device or even, you know, one of the things we enabled and I think most healthcare did over COVID is is some of the chatbots, you know, on the website and being involved sooner rather than later on which vendors we're selecting and what we're doing and how we're uh deploying this and and what measures are in place helps us to be able to make sure that we're safe and secure. And I think having those relationships and and those um, kind of conversations help us to hopefully transform and and to become that transformational group. But I I do think it's a longer journey for for most in healthcare um, from the security side right now. So when you have a heart-to-heart or a pep talk with your team, what do you say as a way to represent where we are and where we are going? You know, like a like a Pied Piper, right? 
they mm-hmm. need to follow you not blindly but they should in a way they should lead you that's the epitome of a good team right right yeah so what i normally tell my team is is several fold number one i i tell them to do their jobs because one of the things they're entrusted to do is to follow our standards and our policies and so when they're looking at software when they're looking at devices no one else in the organization is going to have the eye like they are so a lot of times things can get political or you know there are certain drivers and that's one of the things i reinforce because i think we lose credibility if we don't adhere standards and policy across the board but what i also tell them is we need to find ways if we can to mitigate the risk and communicate that to the requester so that they understand what we're doing so again i'm reestablishing that trust the other conversations i have are are really about um remembering our why um remembering that you know we serve the business and we serve security and what i mean by that is you know we don't work if we don't have a business so we can't tighten down security to the, to the degree where we can't function that would be very secure but of course that doesn't allow us to to really run a business so they they have to walk a fine line and i think a lot of it is coaching them to have that customer service to understand what our rules and our processes are and also to make sure that we communicate clearly and we're professional in what we're doing with with the business but i i i think it's a longer journey where i want to go is kind of that transformational leader again i want each entity that they're assigned to or each business unit really see them as the leader within security to help guide them and to kind of give them those navigational buoys of where where they can go within um as within their decisions that are green lights that are safe and secure you know these are applications we know these are vendors that we know these are products or or um technologies that we know that work that are safe they're secure they're the green lights and then you know communicate what those yellow lights are and then educate what those red lights are and and that's what i really try to 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 inspire and communicate with our team and and, and it's a collaborative effort you know they also explain back to me their struggles challenges what they hear because again i might be a little further removed than than they are and and i think it's important to have that two-way dialogue so that i can understand it and not have unrealistic expectations or uh, you know not understand really what's going on how do you ensure when you're trying to make each of your programs from the very design level all the way to getting it adopted that these people who are working with you within the security group while they do their job but they create by design 
some space on their plate versus having a spilling plate all the time and versus thinking, how on earth will I get this pile that I have on my plate ever get done? But instead say, I have this breathing room. What next can I do to evolve myself and my team and the overall department to take it to the next level? What do you do for that? I I try to have those conversations of where do we want to go? What do they envision? You know, how do we mature our program? Where do we want to go? And to block out whether it's, you know, once or twice a month in a staff meeting or a one-on-one where, where we elicit and we kind of brainstorm together. Because I find that that, you know, that's what inspires me. So I'm, I'm sure it inspires other people. And, and what I find is they have brilliant ideas. You know, they're, they're very good at what they do. Um, in many cases, have done it much longer than I have, especially at this organization. And so I think all of them kind of know where they want to take it. It's just finding the time. And I think um, while this last couple of years have been a challenge, I, I think we are kind of turning the corner and we're able to start looking a little more forward. Um, I think it's also in, involving other teams and groups. You know, I try to reach out to other CISOs, other organizations, in internal to healthcare and external to try to get ideas on how to help us transform. And so it might be having another group come in and just show us what their program looks like, whether it's the you know questionnaires that we ask vendors to assess risk, whether it's um, you know processes or procedures. I think all of that helps all of us to be inspired of where we can go. Um, I think it's important also to kind of show them that I have ideas and plans and to kind of help them see um, you know, what the next six months, nine months, a year looks like. Um, it's not rigid, but it, it helps them to see that we do have some, some key deliverables that we want to ad- achieve, and it's going to take all of us to do it. Any specific pet peeves or challenges that your team repeatedly brings up, which kind of, in their view, holds them back from being the best they can do to help the business and become or make the security function as a digital business enabler? Are you seeing certain patterns in the regular pet peeves, et cetera, that they they share with you? I I think one of the biggest challenges for all of healthcare are those legacy devices, you know, and I think it's probably all of business. So, you know, devices running older, outdated OSs that, you know, are either end of life, end of support. Um, I think those are are stressful for for myself and my team um, because we know they're so much better. I I think the thing that frustrates them the most is vendors who sell us products that are outdated before they come to our loading dock. Um, And, you know, while we work on our contractual requirements and, you know, our reviews, those, those are frustrating. Those are hard. I think also the problems that never die, 
you know, those, those issues that we think we've put to bed, we think we've found a solution and they rear their ugly heads over and over again, because something's changed with the vendor or something's changed with the requirements. And I think just reminding them that, you know, we don't get the easy things. The easy things don't come to us. You know, we, we get the hard things, we get the complex things. And um, that's where we, we really add the most value is, is taking those complexities, trying to simplify, trying to mitigate the risk and um, help the business achieve what they need to. Now, when it comes to the, you, you mentioned about the tool set, et cetera, right? And there mm-hmm. are so many emerging technologies. There are so many emerging uh, tool sets or tool stacks, whatever you may want to call that. Are they really uh, helping make the job easier? Is the complete solution provider community really making it easier so that whatever security program you create and the execution of that on the ground, uh, is it getting any easier? I think there are some areas that, yes, the tools have been dramatically helpful. Again, I go back to medical device security. I go to IoT. I I think there are some innovative solutions and uh, tools that have uh, filled in large gaps for most healthcare organizations or most organizations, especially with IoT. I think our philosophy and, and most organizations our size that I I interact with is we'd rather go deeper on our tool stack um, than go wider. So what I mean by that is we would rather really learn the tools we have, um, utilize them to the best ability and then see if there's any gaps, then to add 10, 15, 20, you know, continue to have the tool sprawl and have to be masters at so many. Um, I, I hope that as we all mature in the security technologies, um, you know, these can become even more integrated and the tool stack can help each other. But um, yeah, we're not looking to, to add many, many technologies. Um, we try to stick with our core, our core offerings and our core vendors to make sure that we know the tools really well. When you are looking at the support that you need from business, so if you go to them, help me help you, what is the kind of support you should get as a security function so that you can turn around and become the enabler? I think number one, helping us understand their strategic direction. Um, I think also the things that I feel we need is what I, I, I think I've seen or other organizations, and I, I know in my current organization, a seat at the table, you know, whether it's with the CIO, you know, the CTO, really 
having security be there so that we can be engaged and we can add value from the get-go. Um, I think with our business leaders, it's really uh, engaging us. Uh, I, I always say early and often, you know, let's, let's have those, those quick conversations instead of those hard discussions um, after the fact. And, you know, hey, what do you think? We're thinking of doing this. We're going to go with this. You know, we're thinking of this vendor. Um, we're thinking of this technology. And for us to be able to kind of do a quick review or quick assessment and kind of tell them yay or nay right off the bat is so much easier than having them have this long involved, um, you know, contracting or, or relationship and then find out we have issues. Um, and then be brought in the table. So I think just having that dialogue is really what what helps. And then, you know, of course, for any incident response, um, you know, being pulled in as as soon as someone knows something um, so that we can mitigate the risks. And from a leader's perspective, so so you you as you mentioned that you've been in four healthcare organizations, where do you feel a security leader, security leader needs to evolve him or herself, and uh, so that they are basically at par with the complexity and the pace and the demands that the business is going to place. What What do you think is a good holy grail for a security leader to aspire for, as a leader? You mean the. The qualities that they should have oh. or the muscles they should create, the uh, yeah. emotional intelligence, whatever. I mean, you take take your pick because leader yeah. is an animal in itself, right? I mean, leadership is a big animal. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge I've had is is just being able to communicate in the business terms back to the business and feel like I understand that. So what I mean by that is, you know, I really want to understand the business but to be able to communicate and add value, I, I, I think that's evolving. You know, I, I'm a great technologist. I think I'm a, a you know, pretty good security person, um, getting better every day. But it's that executive presence, and it's really being able to uh, understand the viewpoint of those senior leaders um, and the perspective that they have is, is, you know, obviously much different than a technician or even, you know, a director. I think a CISO, you know, the role is evolving. I think having, you know, that understanding to be able to present to the board um, in non-technical terms, in, you know, no geek speak is, is critical. And I think that's, that's something we're all working to do um, as our role becomes more and more visible within the organizations. So if the resources were to be offered to a security leader to be able to take the security function, its programs to the next level. What resources would you like to be available, to be made available to you 
in that role so that there is no so-called constraint which could be holding you back from being the best? I think it's both personal and the business. I, I think I take responsibility for my development, um, whether it's, you know, additional courses or personal development or coaching. Um, I think that's important and that's my responsibility. I think from the organizational perspective, it's um, allowing me to be in the room, allowing me to engage with leadership, not just during a security event, but during those other discussions, whether we're talking about budget or or um, strategy, or you know, we're we're talking about technology, or or even some of the business. Um, just keeping the lights on, I think, helps us be at that table so that we have those relationships when we are able, and we're able to really leverage those, especially, you know if we have a crisis situation or we have those hard decisions that we need to be made. So it's really having that relationship and that dialogue and trust um, outside of the security function. You know, you mentioned at the, at the get go that people don't want to hear from security. And I I think that's true. And I think the way you change it is, um, you know, being involved, even if it's not a security issue example would be you know maybe there's a technology outage and it has nothing to do with security i i try to be on those calls i i want to support the it group and be there even if it's nothing to do with security and and it's a vendor issue or an outage number one because i want that visibility in case it is a security issue and no one's noticed or they're worried about the outage. But second, I want to be part of the team. I don't want to be an outsider. And I think that's true with our executives and our business, you know, whether it's a go live, whether it's a new hospital, whatever it is, I I think it's important for us to be visible um, at times that are important to the business so that they can be supportive when it's important to security. Once again, thank you so much, Dee, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how organizations can transform security programs to become digital business enablers. Thank you. Thank you so much. And listeners, hope you enjoyed rather probing conversation. Please connect with us on social media, subscribe to our podcast. And once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjur Gaul. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjur Gaul. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. 